This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Bank Europe. Today, we are going to talk about regenerative finance. I didn't try enough time to say this word, regenerative finance. Okay, we know the centralized finance. This is another acronym, REFI. We are going to learn. We're gonna, we have a fantastic guest. Is Rafael Haput. You say, I say that correctly? Good enough. It's Rafael Haupt. Um... Haupt, Okay. Uh, sorry, that, that you know, like uh, my name is Capo Dieci. Can you imagine how many difficulty oh. put, I put on people to say <laughs> that? <laughs> Rafael, I really have no ego with names, so um. <laughs> right. Okay, so Rafael is the founder CEO of uh, Tucan. Uh, there is a company that uh, does uh, regenerative finance, refine between other things. So I see that you have a background in uh, electrical engineering, correct? A master's degree in transitive energy market, uh, education in economics, industrial engineering. So really all the bases, you know, high-tech innovation management. Uh, <laughs> so you lead the, that was the worst. Tukan, right? <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst, I could tell you. It was just a buzzword. You know, I, I've, I've just been collecting buzzwords. That's... A buzzword no, collector, okay. I, I'm a buzzword collector. This is how I landed in, in the blockchain space, you know. Uh, Why well, don't see artificial intelligence now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what is Tukan? And then, uh, you know, we're going to try to understand that is regenerative finance because uh, I think the name may lead to a lot of different interpretations. So... Tucana is an organization focused on developing digital infrastructure for climate finance. So this is the first point, is climate finance. So carbon credit, uh, cambor market, uh, and uh, the people in Tucana are technologists, uh, carbon market experts, uh, and marketers, right? So this is what put together Tucan. I saw that you guys already had a huge amount of uh, um, success in uh, trades, uh, in uh, tokenization of uh, of uh, these uh, these things for the for the market of climate and carbon so where the five fits in all these as is is strange because uh, regenerative the first uh, connection comes to my brain with regenerative are batteries car batteries right <laughs> the regenerator something like this i guess yeah. it's nothing to do with that so how is this connected to blockchain and how does it work uh, so that uh, we can understand better the whole thing. Let me start. So there's a lot to unpack, and you just interrupt me if there's anything that is not clear. But I'm actually going to start with the regenerative Aspect. keyword, right? Because the regenerative keyword is one that um, means a, means a ton of things, I think, to different people, and it's not always clear what exactly it means. So I can just, for us, basically, um, if you think at the mode of you know the world runs today. I would I would say uh, we could categorize it as extractive, right? So 
we are extracting um we're extracting value we're polluting and so overall the more business you know as usual continues we're extracting more and more so um then there's sustainable sustainable is basically if you think about it you're like basically you know if you're like extracting you're putting the same amount back right so um so you're you're basically neutral you're sustainable so you're not really good you're not really bad you're just sustainable sustainable was kind of the thing for the last 20 years but you know if we're not take the jump to like carbon specifically we already have too much carbon dioxide or like you know greenhouse gases in general in the atmosphere so even if we were like going to net zero so we, we were completely sustainable and we would not emit like you know, we would keep this. Uh, we would not emit more carbon into the atmosphere, or that the level of emission and the level of kind of drawdown kind of cancel each other out. We still have too much carbon in the atmosphere, right? So that's mm -hmm. where regenerative basically comes into play. Regenerative is that basically by doing your business, you're actually improving the um, the the soil, improving um, the, the 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 capture of carbon in, in, in the system. And it's not just only related to carbon. It's basically like you are regenerating. You're kind of putting back value and improving ecosystems, etc. So that's kind of what the kind of rough idea of regeneration is: is that you have extraction, you have uh, sustainability, and then you have regeneration. So kind of linking this to finance is like that. Our financial system today is extracted, right? So we, we, we don't talk about the petrodollar for nothing. It's like most of our money essentially is, is backed by extractive activities, uh, either directly by, you know, pumping uh, oil out of, out of the soil and um, kind of converting that into money or by, you know, just you know, financing extractive activities, mining, um, et cetera. So the idea is that, you know, if, if you look at the history of the world, on, on a lot of metrics, we've like improved dramatically, right? Like health, we've improved dramatically. Education, we've improved dramatically. The only thing that as a society we're kind of struggling to solve is that we have more and more greenhouse gases in our atmosphere and our temperatures are rising constantly. And there's not really a good solution to it, right? I've, um, I was at the, at the COP uh, in Dubai in, in like the end of last year where, you know, all the nation states are coming together to maybe find a solution, to coordinate to find a solution for how we are going to stop climate change. But the reality is like we're very, very, very far from actually realizing that. And so the idea of refi, regenerative finance, is that what needs to happen is that we need to put regeneration kind of at the lowest level of our everyday operations, right? And so finance is in a lot of ways you know, is, is, is a key function of, of, of our economy. And if we can kind of twist, if we can turn around and we, if we can make finance regenerative, that is, in, a, in my view, like a massive lever to actually stop climate change through, you know, so that as an end consumer, you don't really have even to, um, to realize what's going on, right? So, I think the most classic example is like if you choose a bank account where you know that the money that you have on your bank account is actually used to fund um, okay. regenerative regenerative projects. Like I think that that's a good example of how your choice of you know parking your money with a bank that actually invested into kind of improving the conditions in the world rather than extracting uh, even more is uh, uh, is is a good example, right? So 
that's kind of the broad picture. So Tukin Tukin started very um, humbly as a as a hackathon project actually. So um, in 2020, I went to a hackathon in London, um, a an Ethereum focused uh, hackathon, and it started with a very basic idea, which was that blockchains back in the day and to a certain extent, some blockchains still today are extractive, right? So Bitcoin specifically uh, is running on a proof of work algorithm. So there's a lot of energy that is basically being consumed to keep the Bitcoin um, network alive. And the same was true for Ethereum back in the day, right? Since then, Ethereum have, has moved to, to a new consensus, exactly, a new consensus mechanism called proof of stake, which is like 99.9% more energy efficient. But back in the day, it was still very, very energy intensive. And for me, as somebody who's who's really passionate and, and, and fascinated by Web3 as, a, as an industry and really excited about kind of its application to energy markets or carbon markets, I couldn't kind of, I, I was struggling with like, you know, being fascinated by it on the one hand and at the same time knowing that it is a super polluting industry. And so Tukin actually started with this, with a very simple idea of like, how can we make blockchains carbon neutral, right? Okay. And so when smart contracts, when you operate a smart contract, the idea was that we could have green smart contracts so that whenever you run the smart contract, it will automatically purchase carbon credits, retire the carbon credits, and then um, basically be a kind of carbon neutral, carbon neutral smart contract. So that's, that's how you can start it. And then uh, I went to, um, so, you know, the hackathon was great. We then like won a uh, kind of an incubator program um, run by consensus. And then I joined a venture builder in London called Deep Science Ventures. And that's really where this idea um, took a new turn because um, turns out that the carbon markets itself, like the carbon market itself is a pretty broken system. And so what happened during that time is that I realized actually there's something more here. It's not just that we need to like bring carbon credits to the blockchain to like make the blockchain carbon neutral. Actually, the carbon market really needs an open system, like an open, open transaction layer to, to operate, right? Because at the end of the day, what the carbon market is trying to do is, is trying to finance positive behavior somewhere else in the world, right? And the, the challenge is that it's really hard to know if that thing that you're claiming that happened actually happened. So there's a lot of trust issues in the carbon market. Mm -hmm. And um, specifically in the voluntary carbon market, where basically you as a you know polluting uh, company, you're purchasing carbon credits, which are supposed to represent that um, positive externality that happened somewhere else in the world. Like you really have to make sure that that happened. And there's been a lot of instances but where it turns out that it didn't happen. I had also this feeling that it's also a very easy way to wash somebody's consciousness. It's like if I commit a crime and I pay somebody else to go in prison for me because already maybe the <laughs> prison for, you know, like in a certain way, if I am the reason for the trouble, yeah. I need to take action on myself. It's too easy to, you know, balance myself out for say, okay, I damaged things here, but somebody is making their better. Sure. So I pay to to balance things out. In, in, I couldn't in fact, agree more. Okay, I couldn't agree more. Look, that's that's definitely the case. The way that I'm looking at it, it's a waste management problem, right? Like 
we are, when you're like, you know, living your life, you're creating waste, right? You're going to sort it into plastic and organic, whatever. And then you have to pay somebody, you know, typically is your, your city or wherever, depending where you live, like somebody's going to pick up your trash and you pay for that, right? right? That's the service that you pay. And then the trash is going to get recycled, et cetera. Greenhouse gases is just the same thing. Like you, you're, 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 uh, doing an activity and your activity creates trash, right? It creates waste that needs to be cleaned up. Now, I don't have a problem with paying somebody else to clean up my waste. Um, so this whole narrative of like carbon credits being like, you know, a kind of cheap way out, I really don't buy it. And there's been actually good um, data and good research that showed that companies that actually purchase carbon credits also reduce their own emissions significantly more and that's because if you want like most labels like in the world like science-based targets or anything like that they don't give you a label unless they've unless you've proven that you have actually first started decarbonizing your own supply chain your own activities so carbon credits should not be your first choice carbon mm-hmm. credits should be your last choice right so you start by reducing your own emissions like as much as you can then you start to you switch to renewable energy rather than like coal or whatever you work on reducing your scope 3 emissions from your suppliers etc mm-hmm. but the reality is that this is surprisingly complicated and carbon credits are only there as a transition mechanism to in the in in, in the, the time that it takes you to really kind of get to net zero in your own uh, activities yeah, so, okay you can finance you can finance uh, transition or like you know pos- the creation of positive externalities mm-hmm. somebody else in the world and i think you know the reason that i'm not opposed to that idea is because if we if we're very pragmatic it's like we have like a few years left to kind of you know turn the corner things. right yeah. and the reality is that you know i, I I from you know I live in Western Europe and like you know super privileged and but the reality is like climate change is not going to decide itself like whether or not Western Europe manages to switch to like you know it's a global it's, problem it's, it's a global it's a it's a global problem and it's mm-hmm. it's really about like is the you know is the global South going to go through the same cycles as you know Western Europe did or and like if they do. We're doomed, right? Like if, you know, the, the reality is that a lot of the wealth of, you know, uh, of Western Europe and the US, et cetera, is built on the fact that we've been polluting the atmosphere like crazy, right? So we- Yeah, mostly we, we create damage in other parts of the planet that we never considered even existed, right? For the good of myself here, I create yeah. a lot of trouble somewhere else, which eventually karma wants this trouble is catching up with me. So I will be the yeah. one responsible. I cannot start going in that country and blame them to fix and clean up the dirt that I made. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Absolutely. for sure I take a responsibility and... Uh, until it becomes an actual law to be imposed, uh, I think it's just uh, a very good way to a little bit show off all the voluntary part of it uh, is uh, a marketing tool uh, more than an actual. I hope there must be some CEO that is, in fact, sensitive to the problem and he does something because there is also good people in this planet, fortunately. But uh, most of it is uh, really, I think, uh, just a way to either get an advantage in somewhere else. That's why probably 
putting this uh, into a uh, finance mechanic, they also give me an advantage somehow for working. Can work also good for the environment, right? Absolutely. I think if you, I'm just trying to think about it in a very pragmatic way, which is like, we need to move trillions and like, there's not like we need to move trillions of dollars towards regenerating our ecosystems and drawing down carbon. That's, that, that's a fact. Like if you, that, and so moving a trillion dollars is, is not easy, right? It's, it's actually pretty difficult, especially in a decentralized manner, which is like what's going on. Right. So, um, and that's where the whole blockchain part actually comes into play is that like if if you know if smart contracts are good at one thing it is coordination right smart contracts allowed like a lot of people to coordinate easily and we're just using that as a way to think about okay how can we distribute like trillions of dollars like across the world to the most impactful places to draw down carbon and regenerate our ecosystems. Like that's a pretty complicated problem to solve in itself. The, um, the, the verification part like is, is key, right? And so at the end of the day, a carbon credit is just data and signatures that attest that the data is correct, right? So if you think about a tree planting project, for instance, you yeah. need to make sure that the trees are there and you need to make sure that the trees are growing. And so you That's have to measure... it's, it's the bridge between the digital and the actual, you know, real part for as many we work with digital twins or something, create exactly. an NFT of each tree that has been planted. But at the end of the day, who's there to guarantee, who sign, who take the responsibility, who's the person to be trusted? Because it's really the, the the opposite of the blockchain where you don't need to trust somebody for the information that are in the blockchain. But exactly. when the blockchain is representing to me something that is physically there, I need to close this uh, gap <laughs> and yeah. I need that to, to trust yeah. somebody for what happened, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's the old Oracle problem is like, what's, you know, what data do you put on? And, um, uh, and so th this chain of trust that is happening, like, okay, this is the data testing that the data is correct. Ideally, maybe I can double check that that data is correct by using some satellite images that like are not hundred percent accurate, but at least give me like a good, like range of like, yeah, this looks real. This is, you know, this doesn't look real. Here's maybe a red flag, et cetera. So we just have, we have to use technology in order to improve the way that we um, verify what's going on on the ground. And then the, the blockchain really is just a kind of registry system, like a ledger that keeps track of like, okay, what's been happening? Who has said that it's happening? Uh, who owns it? Who claims the environmental value for it, et cetera. So it's that part basically that, that, that we focus on with Toucan specifically is we're returning carbon credits into you know, you said it like a digital twin version of it, which gives us the possibility to keep track of like, okay, who owns it exactly? How many times has it kind of been moved around? Um, we can transact it like super easily between parties. We can retire it with like all of the relevant metadata. Um, we create an NFT that acts as like a proof of, um, you know, proof of retirement basically says, okay, I have used this carbon credit up to claim 
you know, that, um, um, I don't know, my toothbrush is, uh, you know, is carbon neutral. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a bad example, but yet, no, no, and, um, and so we're really just saying, okay, like we have a global coordination problem. We need some way to collaborate between each other. And we need a way for, you know, making sure that if somebody does, does, does something positive on one side of the planet, somebody else can pay for that um, and know that, it, that know that it's real. So that's, that, that's basically the, you know, and the carbon credit is really just the vehicle, the kind of financial vehicle that allows somebody to, to make that claim, right? It's just, it, it's just a way to transport that money from one side of the planet to the other side of the planet. Um, and know that it know that it actually happened. Okay, is interesting. I just want to I, I just, but... just say, like, roughly eighty percent of carbon credits today in circulation are like not are not real, or like are not what they claim to be. Right? There's a spectrum between they're not real, which means that they're worth nothing, and that's not the case for most of them. But a good chunk, they're not what they claim to be. So specifically, a carbon credit is supposed to represent one ton of carbon reduction or removal. And in a lot of instances, unfortunately, today, it doesn't add up to a whole ton. There's been some over-accounting, some over-crediting happening. And so it can be like, or it's very frequent today that um, these carbon credits may not represent a whole ton, but maybe only half a ton or like, you know, a quarter of a ton or something like that. And so that's part of like the issue that we have in this market today that we're trying to solve. Yeah, probably we should have this uh, real collector of pollution that makes bricks and then uh, you goes by the kilo, you know, you can see <laughs> he's there, he's stored there, go see it. No, but something I liked that, that you said was uh, when I go to the bank uh, and I can say my bank account, uh, the money I put here, you should can only use them uh, for project uh, to finance projects that are This is very nice if, if it was true, meaning if I can trust the financial institution to actually follow my requirement, but the yeah. regulator should monitor this part. Because, uh, for example, in the electricity bills that we received uh, in, uh, in Italy, for example, you can say, uh, I want only to consume electricity that come from renewable sources, uh, for example, and, uh, you know, refuse electricity that is produced in a method that are not good for the environment. Then they do it for real later. I mean, <laughs> hard to yeah. say, but at least give the illusion to say, I mean, I'm doing my part in this uh, in this uh, selection of things. So if there is a method to not bring 100% to guarantee, but at least to raise the level of uh, uh, validation of the statement, then uh, it's more than welcome. So even for everything probably can expand. If I sit at the restaurant uh, and I want to know that the cow are being free range other than uh, you know, the, the collection of uh, the ingredient has been made in a way yeah. that uh, doesn't damage the environment. And I can actually follow uh, the trail <laughs> to see all uh, the supply chain and to see in fact, and maybe make a phone call to the company or to the farmer. You know, it will make more difficult uh, to the large corporation to lie and uh, bringing this in finance, I like. But is the name uh, regenerative finance something that you have invented or is something oh. that was there? Look, I don't know who came up with the name. 
it just showed up at some point. Um, I have to say, I came up with a significantly worse name, which was Decentralized Climate <laughs> Finance, so Declefi, okay. which really doesn't roll off the tongue as easily as Refi. So um, I think it might have been Gregory from Region Network or Sean from Ixo. I don't, I don't know, but at the end of the day, no, we, I've I've been very kind of high level. Like, let's try to get specific exactly on like, you know, how how it applies today, right? So, Tukin right now we have a partnership with a Finnish carbon standard. They're called Puro.Earth, and they're the biggest mm -hmm. carbon standard for carbon removal in the world. So, carbon removal is basically the activity of drawing down carbon that is already in the atmosphere and storing it permanently. So, that means that as a Puro account holder, you can now take your carbon credits that are on Puro and turn them into a token on Tukin. Okay. And the, um, uh, you know, we, we're using the API that they have. It's actually essentially to like convert a, a Puro carbon credit into a into a token that represents that exact credit with the serial number, all the metadata, etc. The next step. Um, and we're launching a new product in like a couple of weeks, which are, it's, it's called a, a biochar pool. So basically, we now have a carbon credit that represents a puro, uh, a puro carbon credit. We are basically creating like a, a standardized instrument, mm -hmm. like a, a conversion mechanism to take your puro carbon credit. And in this instance, we're only using biochar credits. So biochar credits are um, credits that are generated when um, somebody is uh, turning is, is creating biochar from from organic waste um, and storing that bi biochar on the ground. And so we are creating a pool where carbon credits, different carbon credits from different projects, all of them being biochar projects, can be bundled together in a single pool. Okay. And then that creates a mechanism where um, somebody now can purchase uh, or sell into the pool. It acts almost like a warehouse of sorts, where right. um, so it as, sounds like a color carbon credit. You have different kind of, uh, and maybe it's a very good thing to differentiate them. It, it really gets into the mechanical finance with vehicles that are created with different products. So I can see this regenerative finance. Rafael, it's been a very interesting chat. It's been a pleasure to, to talk to you. We are at the end of uh, our episode for today, episode 210 of Breaking Bank Europe. And for everybody else, uh, stay tuned. Come back uh, next week. We have more episodes coming on. And uh, Rafael, thank you for uh, sharing with us about regenerative finance. First, thank you. That was quick. Um, I get carried away. So, um, yeah, check yeah. out... <laughs> Check out tukin.earth if you want to see if you want to see more or reach out to us um, if you want to uh, if if you want to if you want to learn about more about refi. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with FinTech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.